0: So as we're doing this inner journey of loving and always holding our attention here on the loving, at the seat of the soul, all, as I was sharing earlier, as the soul comes into this body and expresses through it, it's gonna experience through all these different chakras or levels within dealing with the mind, the emotions, imagination, and body. And so as we are doing this journey of awakening, of rising up to the seat of the soul, that all the energy of the soul that has now been caught up in expression through this body, through this consciousness, will begin to be pulled up here. When we focus and love here, we the soul are the loving. So as we focus on the loving, we are drawing the loving that we are back towards the source right here. The beautiful radiant light, that halo, That's the soul. So as we keep meditating upon the soul, then the soul's essence is drawn in and up and out of this physical body, and that's how the lessons are fulfilled. That's how we get detached. That's how we let go. And as that energy of the soul is drawn up through the body, the physical karmas, are fulfilled, we have the physical experiences we need to have, the lessons are completed. With completion comes freedom. The soul no longer needs to continue experiencing. It has finished and even up through all these different chakras. So you have the first chakra dealing with the physical as the soul energy keeps drawing up through the body. The second one dealing with the creative imagination. Or procreation, reproduction, all of that. Second chakra. So as we draw the soul's energy up, we're gonna go through all these things dealing with the creative imagination, all the lessons or karmas there. They're gonna be stirred. This is often where we'll get reactive and attached. There's great attachments here in the creative imagination. Anybody here stu- struggle with their sexuality? That's a big one. One of the greatest attachments run in this world. So, we'll not only go through that within the physical body, but even in our dream state, our imagination, and our fantasies that run. These things will play out. But as we keep coming back to the loving That soul essence that has created these experiences and is now being drawn back up is letting go of the creation or letting go of that which we've created, karma. It releases because all we're doing is loving. All that loving now is being drawn up out of that. And as it rises up, then what? Well, then we, what, have this solar plexus chakra, emotions. And so guess what? All the emotional karmas all these emotions we go through. And again, these are often running unconsciously. We'll have all of our emotional reactions often going and not even knowing why. It's like a little kid, part of us that seems to never grow up often. Because little, little kids operate, what, quite often out of that emotional place. That's where a lot of us do counseling work or inner child work, therapies to heal, All these emotional problems we have from when we've grown up, whether this lifetime or another, doesn't even matter. Same stuff. What's the ultimate cure for it all? The ultimate therapy? Loving. Loving. So again here, what is it? It always comes back to loving because the more we hold our focus here, it keeps drawing the soul that is the loving back up. So it begins to lift out of the solar plexus, and up to the heart chakra. How many groups, yogas, systems out there teach meditating upon the heart chakra? Because that's the loving way, right? Compassion, love for your human, fellow human being or animals or the planet. It's wonderful. Now wonder there's so many broken hearts out there, right? Where do you think it comes from? Because it's still in the realm of reflection, an attachment. Yes, the heart love is wonderful, but it's still dealing with attachment. Just like you can fall in love, or you can fall out of love. I love them with all my heart. Oh God, now my heart's broken. Guess what? That's just letting you know where your karmas are, what you've been experiencing or learning. You're just learning, but as we keep focusing up here, often you'll hear us in here called the spiritual heart, which is the soul, as we keep coming here, then of course it begins to lift the soul's essence out of now the heart chakra, then what? Now the throat chakra. This is often the place dealing with another level of creative expression. But it's also a level of, if we look here on the realms here, we're also dealing often with the etheric or unconscious. So a lot of the incompletions are things that run unconsciously within us now we'll begin to handle, to deal with. So a lot of those things I am saying that often run us unconsciously, we're not even aware of what it is. Well, as we the soul begin to now awaken through the level of unconsciousness, we may even begin to have conscious awareness of that which was running us unconsciously now. Because guess what loving does? Loving is light and sound, but that light of loving also allows us to see or become conscious now. So we even become conscious through the level of unconsciousness, and we begin to wake up now to a lot of these things that have been unfolding. And not all of it, like I said, we only need to be aware of just a little bit for this lifetime. Often it's called our 10%. And so the last residuals, through the loving now, we rise beyond the throat chakra, now appear to the seat of the soul, appear to the third eye, the sixth chakra, and we begin to now move into that first true light of spirit beyond this realm of time and space, beyond the reflection, beyond the duality. Because isn't it funny? Even if you put the arms off here, you got two, right? And they come right together here. Yes, I know, we still have two nostrils, two eyes, so we're still dealing with a level of the unconscious. But once you rise above the eyes, you rise above the duality. And then to the singular, that's the soul, where we become one. This journey has often been talked about as climbing the inner mountain. Ever heard that? Climbing to the mountaintop. The significance of making it to the peak. You could even look at this journey here Through all this, it's like climbing an inner mountain up to the soul. And so here we are, just this inner climb into the soul of who we are, just even, again, as I was saying, in the chakra system. But in the soul's greater journey, just like we move about this physical world and have all these physical experiences out in the world, well, guess what the soul's doing on these inner realms of spirit, in the astral worlds? It's bigger than this physical and the causal worlds. So there's an inner mountain spiritually as well as our own inner mountain right here in our own consciousness. Again, the macrocosm and the microcosm. So it's climbing our own inner mountain to get here, to the seat of the soul. Well, gosh, that's still only the sixth level, right? The mountain peak? What about the seventh? That's when you begin to fly. That's where the true freedom and the liberation of the soul takes place. There's freedom once you get up to the top of the mountain. And from the top of the mountain, what? You can see everything 360 degrees, all around and everything below. And you can still look up, too. But you've reached the top of the mountain, there's no more to climb. Even though it's all this sky above you, you've gone as high as you can go there. And so that's what we do, even in this body. We go as high as we can. All the way walking, with that inner assistance and support of the light and the sound. And that's often what you'll hear is called the true spiritual teacher. It's so the light and sound of God's loving. So we've reached the peak. We've risen above it now. We can see it all below us. All that we've walked through, all that we've experienced, we've completed the journey, we've learned the lessons. We're free. And now I'm just on the top of this mountain. Now what? Now do I gotta walk down the other side? No, it's called look up. Look up into the sky above because there's that next stage now in which the soul now transcends the mountain. That's called soul transcendence where the soul even transcends the top of the mountain or the soul realm and now flies and goes into the realms of spirit where there are no mountains. It is true liberation, the liberation that is even beyond freedom. Freedom is when you are at the top of the mountain, but liberation is when you even fly beyond the top of the mountain. And this journey is a pathway of soul liberation, soul transcendence. And this is where the soul begins to merge now back into that divine beingness, where the drop returns into the ocean, spark back into the flame. The true journey. that's a journey that we're all on. Some of us just more consciously than others. Some of us wondering, how does this work? How can I do this? All the illusions in the world How do I know the truth? It is only through one's experience, only through experience do we truly come to know the truth, the spirit, beyond the illusion. So that's what we're doing here in ILM. This pathway of sound and light is that journey of soul into its greater knowing of self and into the greater oneness From soul consciousness to God consciousness. And that's simply done through loving. But even the way of loving has its techniques or principles or actions in the way it unfolds, in a way it assists the soul, in a way the soul experiences. So that brings us to the action of initiation. That light and sound that has guided the soul in its journey, just described, is the very essence of God's loving. That, in truth, is bringing the soul along this journey. Always has been. And so, the bottom of the barrel where the soul begins to call out to God, to open, to receive, that's how this takes place. We have to first ask, and then God gives, God answers the call. And so, as that light and sound is placed or given to the soul to assist it on this journey of climbing the mountain, both the inner mountain as well as the mountain of spirit through the realms, that's the action we call initiation. Whereas the soul asks, then in the initiation, that action of light and sound is placed with the soul so that that soul can now begin to see and to find its way up the inner mountain to rise above it all. It's kind of like the story of Moses, where Moses climbed the mountain. And at the top there, he saw the burning bush, the top of the mountain, the burning bush, the golden light, the soul. So first there's the awakening. But there's also this action of the spiritual teacher, the one who shares the initiation, the one who shares the light and the sound. This is Moses, Saul, the light of God, heard the voice of God. That's the sound, the light and the sound. And there are those that God gives the commission to now go back down the mountain to assist the other souls in walking up the mountain. But that action of a spiritual teacher is not about the personality, the person, or even the individualized soul that is expressing through that body or consciousness. It is about that light and sound of God that walks with that soul back down the mountain because it is that light and the sound of God that is given through that spiritual teacher That is the true calling, the true awakening, the true guide for each and every soul. And it's that power, just like Moses, he had this staff he carried around, right? That staff was symbolic of the power of the light and the sound. Just as Moses raised the staff for many things, but especially the parting of the Red Sea, that's the power of loving, the power of that name given in initiation, that parts the waters, that parts all the stuff in time and space that the soul gets entrapped in, gets lost, drowns in it, and is always swimming. Where that light and sound, that staff of power, imparting the waters, clears the pathway, so now the soul can journey freely, walking out of the realms of bondage, walking up the mountain to that greater place of freedom. Isn't it funny, even in that story with Moses, when he was up on the mountaintop, what was everybody else doing? Isn't that where they started to have their struggles and people started to get into building the idols of gold and worship and getting caught up back up in the world again? And that's often what happens. And that's often the process we're in, is battling within ourselves let alone out in the world, but battling within ourselves, of getting caught back up in the struggles of the mind, the emotions, imagination, and body, or letting go of that. And just holding that place of focus on spirit and waiting for the radiant form, the spiritual teacher, the blue, the purple, the gold, the white light, or even the form of the physical teacher as the light and the sound. Waiting for that to come down from the mountaintop to show us the way now. That's what we're doing in meditation, is going within, focusing on that radiant form of light and sound. And as we do that, we often are waiting, we're calling out We're loving God, we're asking God, and then all of a sudden we have those moments where we begin to see, begin to hear, and begin to experience the movement of consciousness of our soul's awakening and return. Where we have the experience of rising above and through all of these entanglements, and struggles, and challenges. Those are the moments we often know the grace, the loving, the peace, the joy that God is. Those moments we always look forward to, wish we had all the time in meditation and all of our waking moments. But each time we sit down to meditate, we give ourselves the opportunity to keep, becoming more aware and to keep experiencing and participating with that uplifting action of spirit, both within our own inner kingdom and the soul's journey through the outer kingdom. It's all one, though. It's just the soul's journey. Inner kingdom, outer kingdom. It's one journey. In truth, it's all in the soul. So we often call it an inner journey. It's all in the soul. The soul simply experiencing. So all we have to do is come into the soul, allow ourselves to wake up and know the truth of who we are and allow that light and sound of God to lift us and to bring us into the greater experience and knowing that greater truth. That's the part of surrendering and letting go. That's what forgiveness is. Surrender, let go, forgive, so that now God can come in and bring us into the greater fullness and experience of the divine.
1: The one thing that we want to remember in this action of climbing the mountain in the inner kingdom, of walking through all these different realms and realities within ourselves is that it really is for us to walk. We're the ones who take the journey. The spiritual teacher is there to assist you in the journey, but isn't there to do the journey for you. You have to do the walk. You have to do the work. And so it is a daily action, a daily experience of sitting down and giving yourself the opportunity through meditation to do just that, to focus your attention inward and to do the inner journey, to experience the different levels and the different qualities of those levels and moving through the different levels of the realms in order to begin to detach yourself from those things that have held you in bondage here for so long and to allow you to begin to look even higher up. Because oftentimes we think we're gazing very high up into a realm or maybe into many realms. And in truth we're looking just as high as we have the next attachment set. And All along this pathway, physical, astral, causal, we have all kinds of attachments, conscious and unconscious, this lifetime and other lifetimes, that are there and that hold us in attention, in attraction, and in bondage. And it's for us to begin to release ourselves from those. Now eventually you'll find that by holding our meditation practice on that sacred name of God that's given in initiation, that name will begin to lift you above a lot of those attachments. It will lift you above them so that you can see them for what they truly are, and in that same moment, they are released. But in the beginning, you often find the hardest part of the journey, going up a mountain, is in the beginning of the journey. It seems to be the hardest. It seems to be the steepest. It seems to be the most challenging, and that's because you are now beginning to cut a pathway for yourself that you're going to walk home to God up to the top of the mountain. And it's that discipline of coming every day into meditation, going up to the foot of the mountain and begin the journey once again. And at first it seems like it's a great obstacle and impossible because there is no footing, there is no pathway. There is no clarity as to what direction to take. But the key that an initiate has, that non-initiates do not have, is that sacred name. That sacred name of God that is given in initiation contains that movement of loving that God created our soul out of and is ever with us and waiting to guide us back home when it's time. And if we will just begin to follow the frequency that is in that name, it will show us the pathway, it will give us the footing, it will give us the direction to go, but it will also give us the inspiration to come back tomorrow and sit down and continue the journey. And what you'll eventually find is, you don't have to come back to the foot of the mountain every day in your meditation and start walking all over again up that pathway but rather you're going to find that you'll get to a certain level of awareness, of clearing, following that loving, and the next day when you come back into meditation, that's where you begin once again, if you're following the loving. Now, there may be days where you are following the loving and you find that you go right to that level and begin climbing higher in your meditation. Then other days you're caught up in the world, you're caught up in your emotions, you're caught up in your mind, and it seems like you're starting all over again. And you're struggling through the journey of beginning. But just realize that's the illusion that we sometimes can get caught up in when we do listen to the mind or the emotions or the body. But in truth, you are ever clearing, clearing, clearing away for yourself up that mountain. And it's only you that can put debris back in the path again to make it as though there was no path there. It is only you. And it's for you to keep that pathway clear as you clear it. And you do that by ever loving God first and God only. And that loving will not let anything else settle into those areas that you have cleared. That loving will keep that pathway clear that you have cleared through your effort of loving God and of also taking responsibility for your thoughts and your feelings, your actions and reactions in your daily life and in your inner journey. And the wonderful thing is you're eventually going to find in your journey that it isn't really a struggle climbing this mountain. There is no climbing to do there is just a movement of grace that is ever lifting us and that grace is given at the time of initiation as a form of loving that envelops us we are placed in the hand of god rather than the hands of the world and that hand of god is ever going to be lifting us as we are loving god god is going to love us and lift us up ever higher and higher and in truth we aren't doing anything but being present in that movement of God's loving as God lifts us higher, lifts us away from this world, and lifts us above our attachments, and we get free. But at first, we're not aware of that action, and so it does seem like it's a lot of effort, a lot of difficulty, and that, oh my God, I'm having to do it all myself. In truth, you're not. In truth, God's doing it with you and for you. But there are those things that you have to do to allow that to happen and that is give God the opportunity every day to do that with you and for you. And that's what meditation is about, giving God the opportunity, giving God the time and the space by which to do it. It's a simple journey. If we can just relax into God's hand and say, okay God, take me up, take me higher, get me out of here, get me free whatever your wording would be, God will get you to the top of the mountain very quickly if you will allow it. But we have to allow it. And how do we allow it? It's just holding our focus on God, not on all those things that stand between us and God, our judgments, our fears, our anxieties, the problems of the world. And we do that often. We place all these things between us and God And then we complain because it's so hard. How do I get rid of these things? You know, I just don't know what to do with them. You just rise above them all by loving God. And let them dissolve as you don't feed them the energy that you've been feeding them. They only have life as long as you feed them that life. Your life force can give life to non-adamant material called matter of this creation that has no form, that has no shape, that has no consciousness. But you can form it, you can shape it, and you can give it consciousness and life just by holding your focus on it. Your worry, your concern, whatever it might be, actually can give life to that. And it lives as long as you feed it. But if you can pull your attention above it by holding your attention only on God, Eventually, these things drop away, they die, because you're no longer feeding it. And if you do feed it anything, it's just the loving that you're going to be presenting to your pathway as you go to God, loving God. And then the loving dissolves whatever that is that has been serving as a block between you and God. Now, why do you need a spiritual teacher in the world? One, It's to get the initiation, to receive that sacred name of God. And two, it's to get guidance and clarity along this pathway of your meditation. If you have confusion, if you have doubt, if you have misunderstanding, then you go to the physical spiritual teacher who you can talk to physically, ask questions of physically, and they can share with you and give you a clear understanding of how to walk this pathway maybe in a different way than you were doing. But the most important action of the spiritual teacher is this. They are standing right here at this doorway. This spiritual eye is a doorway. And they are ever standing in the astral, at the very top of the astral, waiting for you to come awake there. And in that moment, that teacher will take your hand and begin the inner journey with you. (laughs) Whether you're aware of them or not, they are there. But where you will be aware of them and where you do need that spiritual teacher more than any of the other reasons has to do with the etheric realm. The etheric realm is a realm of nothingness. There is nothing there. It is the original element of creation when God said he created the heavens and the earth and the earth was void and without form. There was nothing there. This etheric is that nothingness. When we get up to the top of the mind and we look up, if we're not an initiate and there are those that do that through other practices of meditation, they will see nothing there's nothing there. And they'll be attracted back down to the mind because at least there's something there. It's too quiet in the etheric. There's nothing there. I just go blank. For some, in some traditions, they call it bliss. And they think that is the highest element that they can go into. But then they still come back down to the mind after a while because there's nothing there but bliss. But we know different. There is soul above the etheric. But how does one who's never walked through the etheric find a pathway in nothingness and get through the etheric to the soul realm? That's what the spiritual teacher is here to do. To walk with us, to show us the way through that etheric realm by the light, by the sound that they lay out before us. And they are ever walking with us hand in hand, walking us through that etheric realm, laying out that pathway for us. Now, once we have walked through it enough with the aid of the teacher and we begin to move and awaken into the soul realm, we then find we can look back and we can walk that pathway back and forth, back and forth. No effort, no concern. And we give no attention to the nothingness on either side because that's not where we're going. We're focused on God. We're going to God. And now that pathway is laid. But it's the spiritual teacher who assists us in laying that pathway through the etheric void so that we truly can make our way through it and not get lost and not turn around and start going back in the mind and thinking, well, this is all there is. I'll just do the mind. I'll do the world. So pay attention to that and realize that a spiritual teacher is here for many things, for many reasons in a soul's life. But that's the main one. That's the true purpose of having a spiritual teacher because they have walked all these realms, had all the experiences, and they understand how to get back to God. And why is that? because their spiritual teacher helped them to do that. And once they got up high enough into the realms of spirit, God said, now you go down and do what your spiritual teacher did for you. You go down and do for others that I direct to you. It's just that simple. I would wish for you not to become a spiritual teacher, but just to keep going, believe me just to keep going. In your mind, it might make up all kinds of ideas of how romantic and how wonderful to be this spiritual teacher and to get all this attention and whatever you might think is taking place. But come and talk to us. We'll tell you different. It's a lot different. And I would just keep directing you, keep going forward. But if God says something to you, believe me, you can't say no. That's one Godfather who makes the offer, and you can't say no to it. Well, that's wine for the day.